0: Top of the line production quality. And if you're just starting out, Podcast Plus offers professional script writing, editing magic, and can conceptualize your show, create your cover art, and get you ready to stream on all major platforms. We'll market your podcast as well, showcasing it on radio stations and digital streams across the country. Expand, enhance, and extend your company and brand and reach potential clients and customers 24-7. Find out more at podcast with the That's podcast with a KPLUS.com.
1: Cold, dark depths of a secret dungeon somewhere deep in the remote Pacific Northwest on Easter Sunday. Hello, I am Jeremy Scott. Welcome to the program. It is always fascinating for me to get to talk to somebody who has experienced something that maybe could be deemed paranormal. Certainly abnormal. Maybe paranormal if you care to. And tonight is no different. We've got on the program tonight M.G. Stevens, who is a neurodivergent medium and empath who grew up knowing that she was different like many people who have experienced these events. And she started to experience what could be known as paranormal activity as early as two years old. Her mother was a well-known psychic who worked with detectives and solved cold cases, and M.G. struggled to accept her abilities for decades. She tried to dismiss those encounters, as terrifying as they were, uh, that she was having on a daily basis, and after many years of hesitancy, reluctancy, maybe fear of being ridiculed, or being made fun of, or just... Maybe not believed. Well, she finally learned that her abilities could actually help people, and at that point, she began to slowly accept and develop them. She details those terrifying real life journeys through the paranormal in her book, which is called "The Boogeyman Chronicles." And she's here tonight to tell us about it on Into the Paranormal. M.J. Stevens, uh, M.G. Stevens, welcome to the program. How are you? Thank you.
2: Thank you for having me. um How are you?
1: I'm wonderful it's good to talk with somebody like you who has experienced uh I would say probably uh the the minority uh you're probably one of you know a few people who have experienced paranormal and yet to experience a life of it uh how do you necessarily view that do you feel like maybe you uh were picked to experience this that maybe you're special in some way
2: um you know I don't I don't see it as special. Um, I just think that my my mother and I are both neurodivergent, which means we're autistic and we have ADHD. And there's a direct correlation between um, neurodivergence and either ESP or, um, you know, precognitive dreams or, you know, um, paranormal encounters. And so um, I think it was just that.
1: And so when was your first recollection that you had had one of these experiences and what was that
2: Oh gosh um well i mean my mom used to she used to talk all the time about how i used to she said i used to hear you talking to something in your room and this was when i was just a baby i don't even know how old i was but she was like she would go by the you know she walked by the door and put her ear to the door and she could she said she she said, you were talking to something in there, like you, you you were talking with a purpose, like baby talk, but it was still like you were talking to something. She said it used to creep her out. <laughs> and then when I was, I think, close to around two, all of a sudden, uh, one night, I, I don't even, I still to this day don't even know what this is, but I happened to, uh, I don't even know, Astro Project or something. But I split, and I don't remember the actual event. I just remember standing up in my crib, and I remember holding on to the railing, and I remember being, I have very distinct memories of being whatever it was, down, looking down, like floating and looking down at the scene. I knew what my whole entire nursery looked like, and yet I was the baby in the crib pointing at something up that was up floating. So I was in two different places and time which I don't understand to this day. And then about a year or so later, it happened again. I was older. I was, you know, riding my little tricycle, my little purple tricycle on Easter. Um, And I am my little Easter dress, and my, you know, my mom and my sibling were trying to get me to hunt eggs, and I I guess I needed a nap. I was not in the mood to be What a night to be telling this
1: story, right?
2: I know. I know. Interesting. So, yeah, like Forty two uh two years uh after the fact but yeah um I, I i remember again once again you know i was sitting in my one. i remember pointing up at something but also looking down at the scene and seeing the whole scene i have no idea what that was and um uh, when i was when i started my own podcast i had the opportunity to talk with paul eno who is a you know if you don't know he's a paranormal um idea. and you know he's he's had to come up with an exhaustive glossary of terms because he seemed and experienced so much stuff. He and his son, both. And so I um, asked him, I said, what did I go through? What was that? And he was like, I don't know. And I'm like, okay, that's not comforting. But um, he just said it sounded like a shifting identity point. He says it sounded like, sounds like you split. Somehow in the multiverse, you split into two, you know, Entities or two people or two things You know, two, and two, two, two places At once, and you existed For a time Split, and I was like, okay It still doesn't, you know what I mean, I still don't understand So I still don't have a whole lot of peace On that, um, but uh, You know, at the same time It's it's better than nothing, so You know, I, I, again, I still don't really quite understand What I went through, and it's, it's still Pretty terrifying, but um, Yeah, I, it was just It was just strange. And to this day, I often wonder, you know, will I ever go through that again? Or maybe I was just really young and something happened. I don't know. I mean, I had people, someone tell me that maybe it was reincarnation and you, uh, you know, weren't, weren't fully in your body or something. You know, I don't, to this day, I don't know. I just tell the story.
1: Did it evolve from that? And by that, I mean, I guess, did it continue And I think I know the answer because from what I know about your story is that you and and your family have actually had, I guess, what could be described as a lifetime of experiences.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it just went on from there. I mean, I think that was sort of an isolated event in in and of itself. But um, I guess being an empath um, and a medium, I was just – and I liken this to, you know – just like physical bullies, you know, you're in school and, and the the big mean bullies are targeting that shy, quiet kid that, you know, just wants to just, that just, you know, wants to go to his class, you know, and and I almost kind of felt like I was sort of picked on, uh, for many, many years I was targeted, um, in certain homes that I lived in. Um, because I guess I was that shy, quiet kid that, you know, was sensitive. And, um, So, yeah, I mean, we we had a lifetime. I mean, I I included my mother's stories, and she had way more. Uh, And I included my father's stories and, you know, all of mine. So, yeah, the book is pretty full of just one encounter after another.
1: Can you give the audience a sense of, like, uh, I I guess, does this run the gamut of Mm -hmm. uh, experiences that one might deem paranormal?
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, my mother had... Um, she astral projected um, without trying. She was abducted by, you know, Grace, uh, from what I, I can tell. You know, she always argued that it was just a dream, and I kept telling her, yeah, I don't think that's a dream, Mom. Um, and my father had um, kind of very strange entities. Uh, he had a, a home that was not haunted from, you know, the traditional aspect. You know, everyone thinks a haunted home is someone died in it, there's something tragic. And there was nothing in there as far as that goes. You know, it was a brand-new home. But uh, it could be on the land. I mean, who knows? But he um, he had some pretty strange activity in his uh, either old house or new house. Um, but, yeah, he, he went through a lot. And, I, you know, I had a UFO encounter myself um, and quite a few uh, just uh, hauntings, you know, just, like, targeted, malicious sort of poltergeist-type stuff.
1: Targeted malicious poltergeist type type stuff uh, in, in in your own home.
2: Yeah, well, my you know I was because I was an empath and I was really you know was a medium and I was extremely sensitive even as a kid. Um, wherever I went, if there was something that was malicious or benign, I picked up on it. Uh, not even trying, you know, I was a little kid. I, I don't want to see ghosts, you know what I mean. I just want to live my life, you know. And I was playing my Barbies or play outside and you know do stupid crap, you know what I mean? Stupid kid stuff, you know, climb trees and, you know, little things like that. And, you know, having constantly having this weird other, I don't know how to explain it, this weird other sense. It was like I was born with an extra sense, you know? And so instead of seeing, hearing, tasting, feeling, you know, smelling, I I could also pick up on this other world that existed. And so, you know, and my mother, you know, my mother and I, I, my mother had custody of me because, My parents got divorced when I was very young. I lived with her, and it was um, interesting because there was a lot of weird stuff on the land. But it wasn't technically malicious. But yet, when I went to uh, stay with my father and his second wife, her condo was, I mean, I don't know what it was to this day, but there was something hideously malicious there, and also her mother's place, you know, she, she her parents lived in Miami, we used to drive the long drive down there, and to visit them, and it was uh, terrifying staying there, so I don't know exactly what was in there, I would love to go back and kind of see, you know, what was going on, but, um, you know, now that I have, now that I have a better grip of things, you know, I kind of can, you know, tell what's what. I would love to go back and kind of, you know, just see what the heck was going on. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I was tormented most of my life.
1: Give us an idea of what it was like, uh, growing up, knowing, um, that you were a little different, that you had, uh, you know, this, uh, uh, ability and, and, and that you had experienced what you had.
2: Oh gosh. It, like I said, it was, it was like, it was growing up with this extra sense and I knew things and I saw things and I felt things and I heard things and, and most of it was terrifying and most of it was kind of weird. How do I know that this person was going, going to say this or going to do this? You know, how, how did I know? Um, and I, I grew up most of my life really confused, really terrified. I didn't know what this was. And I, you know, at times I, I would, I would think to myself, okay, everybody goes through this, right, like, everybody sees this weird stuff, (laughs) and, um, you know, and then at times, I'm like, no, okay, wait a minute, I'm the only one that sees this, and I'm crazy, there's something wrong with me, you know, and I would get, like, really paranoid, because I didn't know what to think, and I I really, you know, I, I would vacillate between the two, just like, okay, yeah, everyone sees ghosts, or sees these things, right, like, yeah, okay, and then, The other, you know, the next minute, I'm like, no, wait a minute. It's only me and there's something wrong with me, you know. So I I kept a lot of this stuff to myself. I didn't really talk about it.
1: Was there a point when you felt more comfortable, I guess? Obviously, there was because you're you're talking about it now.
2: (laughs) Yeah, you know, um, around the age of like 14, 15, I went back to live, you know, after having many years of living in abusive homes and experiencing a lot of malicious activity, I went back to live with my mom and you know kind of reluctantly became a christian and kind of got into that whole churchy thing And wasn't really fully into it because i was just kind of like a happy little pagan you know i really didn't want to be in there but my mom kind of you know she was a christian at this point so she was you know kind of pushing me into it i like, okay fine so i did it but you know you can't i tell people all the time you can't be in a churchy fundamentalist christiany kind of setting without hearing about demons and Angels and Jesus performing miracles and devils being cast out and all that stuff without, um, you know, realizing at at some point that this, this too is also the paranormal, Um, you know, Jesus performing miracles and um, angels and demons and, you know, all that stuff. That's, That's just another branch of the same tree. Um, so, you know, I used to tell Christians all the time because Christians are like, Oh no, I don't deal with the paranormal sets and devil stuff. And I'm like, no, no, no. Jesus performing miracles is the paranormal, you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I started to kind of clue in around there because it was like 15, 16. And I started going, wait a minute. I'm, I'm psychic. I'm, I'm sensitive. I'm, what? You know, and I started to put two and two together. So i realizing my mom and I, both had the same abilities and i stood that's when it all kind of came together i was about 14 15 16 years old when i started to kind of go oh wait a minute this is something we have this is who we are uh this is a built an ability of sorts. and my mother at that time was doing a lot of what they call deliverances or exorcisms and she was really good at it you know so when someone had something on them you know she could always get them clean cleared out and Um, I then started to help her, and I started to hear things and feel things, and it started to become really clear to me that, oh, this is who I am. This is what I do. I have this ability, and, you know, this is, I'm not crazy. You know what I mean? All all the stuff that my childhood all came to the forefront, you know, I started to go, oh, okay, I'm not crazy. This is just who I am. I have this permanent antenna that picks up on things that most people can't you know, so I made kind of peace with it kind of, sort of, then, but I never really quite shared it openly with people. Every once in a while, I would, you know, in conversation, every few years, I would, <laughs> you know, bring it up, and people were like, oh, my God, you know, and they would start freaking out, and getting all excited, shoving pictures of their boyfriends in my face, and like, what about this guy, what about this <laughs> and all that stuff, and I'm like, oh, God. So I purposely wouldn't share it Um until I got older, and I started to, you know, a few years back, I started to listen to a lot of paranormal podcasts and I started to, you know, hear, you know, listen to people who, you know, it broke my heart because people were, they would get on these podcasts and they would say, well, oh, I'm not crazy. I know what I saw. And it's like, we shouldn't have to do that. We shouldn't have to sit there and try to, uh, you know, dispute our mental health and, and let everyone know that we're not crazy before we tell a paranormal story. I really wanted, that's why I started my podcast to give a safe space for people to share their paranormal encounters without being judged. And I think that should be like that. Uh, you know, I think we should normalize paranormal encounters, you know, because a lot of people have had them, you know, and um, I wanted to, Start talking about paranormal PTSD, you know, how a lot of people are still struggling with a lot of, um, trauma, leftover trauma from, you know, certain paranormal encounters, you know, whether they were, you know, a week ago or, you know, 20 years ago, 40 years ago. Uh, you know, I always bring up Terry Lovelace because he was my first guest and the poor guy, I mean, Oh, the he, incident
1: at, uh, devil's, at devil's den. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: The poor guy. Cause I mean, we, we spoke with him, um, my producer and I, you know, my, my, pod, on my podcast, um, I literally talk, cause I, I want to sweep the corners of, It's if, if, you know, someone like Terry who has had a lifetime, someone like me, other people have had a lifetime of encounters. I like to sweep those corners. I like to get every bit out and let's talk about all of it because I think it's, it's connected. And I love the, you know, the, the, the story of devil's den and, and everything else like that. But I wanted to get the childhood stories because I really believe that all of those are connected. And so, we spoke to Terry, God, it was probably four or five hours of recorded
1: Yeah, it seems um, about right.
2: <laughs> yeah. It was about four or five hours where we just met with him every weekend and we got his whole story and then of course we had to you know, whittle some of it down, but we you know, we, we got most of everything that he ever happened to him. And um, the poor guy, I mean, talk about paranormal PTSD. I mean, this guy is I think he's in his 70s at this point and he still can't um sleep in a dark room um he he's got to have some sort of something you know playing where he's listening to it um he's got to, you know he can't walk out in an open field you know and if he went to talk to a psychiatrist like a psychiatrist would immediately dismiss him as having hallucinations and that's not that's not that's not right. You know, it's, it's not, that's, I mean, to me, that's just terrible. You know, even if you don't personally believe in the paranormal, you can at least acknowledge that his brain has experienced, uh, a trauma because so the brain records that and it holds onto it and it stores it in the body, you know? And so, you know, a lot, I know a lot, of, myself included, I know a lot of people who, um, have a lot of PTSD, or PTSD from their encounters so I wanted to create a, a, a podcast a space where people could share their encounters and talk about those sorts of things openly and freely even anonymously, you don't have to show your face or name or anything like that but at least get it out because talk therapy is very important, it's very helpful um, again, I just you know wanted to create a safe space for that so
1: and yeah, what are some of the coping methods for those who have gone through the trauma of a paranormal experience?
2: Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know a lot about it. Like I said, I'm not an expert in any of this, but I do know that this is a real thing. I suffer from it. Terry does. Many other people. I mean, every other podcast I've listened to, this you know person who went through this, this, or this, they, they still have a hard time um, being alone. They don't like being uh, in a dark room. They can't sleep in the dark, they have to sleep with the door open or closed. You know what I mean? And and some, you know, some person would be it would scoff at that, and be like, come on, you're an adult, you know, grow up. But you don't realize that their brain has registered this as a an event, you know, and so now they're suffering from the ongoing trauma of that event. And so, you know, I'm I'm trying to start the conversation about paranormal PTSD in hopes that people will start, um, you know, looking into it more and start researching it, start, you know, accepting it and start talking about it and, you know, start to getting coping mechanisms and start maybe addressing it and start, you know, hopefully get, you know, someone like John Mack who had a very solid career and then he you know, started to get into the UFO um, subject and people thought he was crazy. And his colleagues were telling him, Oh my God, you're going to ruin your career, all this hard work, you know, and, and but he started to realize that this was a real thing, you know, and despite whether you or not, you believe in the paranormal or not, this person has experienced something. So we need to address that. We need to pay attention to it and accept it. You
1: know? Yeah, absolutely. We need to accept it and uh, and not belittle the person, um, you know, and, and try to understand it, I guess, a little bit more, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, just, you know, start, because, I mean, I, I'm not trying to put myself on the map and say, well, I'm the first person to, you know, mention paranormal PTSD, but technically I kind of am. I mean, you know, or at least I put a name to what people have been kind of talking about for years, and it's it's something that needs to be, you know, accepted addressed looked at and and kind of say okay there's this thing called paranormal ptsd and we need to start maybe including this in um therapy sessions you know and instead of instead of you know the minute you said i saw i went through this and have the therapist immediately dismiss you as a, you know having hallucinations they should at least jot it down they should at least say okay this person thinks feels that they have had an encounter with something instead of just immediately dismissing them. You know, this this whole judgmental dismissing, the giggle factor um, about the paranormal and talking about your encounters is is something that needs to be addressed and it needs to be done away with. We need to, you know, like I said, normalize paranormal encounters, normalize talking about paranormal PTSD and and start, um, you know, start delving into this and start, you know, helping people instead of judging them.
1: In your personal uh, cases, where did your ghost uh, experience happen?
2: Well, like I said, wherever I was, um, if if there was something there, good or bad, I would see it. I would know it. I would see it. I would feel it. Um, I was, um, you know, my my middle sibling was really naughty. They used to take me out at night when I should be, should have been in bed and um, hang out with their friends and, we lived in a pretty rural area in the South and we used to, you know, hang out in these, you know, sort of wooded areas. And I would get the creeps as a little kid. And it wasn't, you know, the, 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 the people around me, it was a, it was the ones that I, that were dead, you know, that were around me. I could get, I could pick up on if someone died on that land, if there was a, an indigenous, uh, you know, sometimes, uh If there's like, you know, land that indigenous peoples lived on and now they're not there, they're still there. I can still see them and feel them. Um, so I would pick up on stuff, you know, at night. I could feel things. Um, it, it all depended on which house I was in, you know, if I was in grandma's house or if I was in, you know, this you know, stepmom number one's house, condo, you know. It um it really started very, very early for me. I was probably all two years old and I would go over to see my dad and my stepmom for the weekend, and I would literally just be tormented all night. There was something in that apartment that would rip the covers off the bed, would kick the bed, would lay on the bed, would whisper in my ear to where I could feel the breath on my face. Um, couldn't tell what it was saying, but I could feel the breath on my face, and it would just be all night long, just constant startling, constant torment. Um, something used to grab at my feet with like really long fingernails all night long. Um, it was just horrible. And I would hear like disembodied sounds at night. It was just so terrifying. And same thing at grandma's house, there was something in that house as well. And it would chase me down the hall. I mean, it was terrible. Um, but at my mom's apartment where we lived, we had like a little duplex and it was in a more rural part of town. Um, I would see or feel a more indigenous presence, you know, and I would kind of feel like I was, I kind of felt like I was trespassing. I kind of felt like I was on someone's land um, in that, in, you know, at that that place. You know, I kind of felt like they were, it, it was more curious than anything. Um, so, yeah, that was, that was, um that was that but you know other places were i moved you know various places and if there was something on the land i mean it 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 would come into the house you know you could feel it and it would uh, definitely torment me until i got older and i kind of grew some balls
1: (laughs) so you you were able to cope with it over time
2: over time, yeah. I mean, as I got older, I mean, it, it took you know, kind of going into that whole Christiany sort of fund- fundamentalist Christiany thing to realize like how to get rid of something. Because I mean, you know, if you're Christian or not, you know, if you want to get rid of, you're always taught in that sort of way that if you want to get rid of something bad, you will always say in the name of Jesus, you know, and that's kind of what what led me to kind of you know kind of get. You know, like um you know, kind of grow up here and go. Oh, I can get rid of this stuff. I don't have to put up with it. And you know, even though I'm not, you know, technically a churchy, you know, Christian-y kind of person now, um, you know, I still use that because it works. <laughs> so, um, yeah. I mean, I, I had a I had an entity in my apartment just a few years back, and um, it was pretty terrifying. So, um, but yeah. I mean, you know, now I I'm not really faced by something you know i i kind of see it for what it is i kind of see that it's a paranormal bully and I, I address it and i'm not that scared little
1: kid anymore you know yeah with experience we certainly do uh, grow with uh <laughs> with our understanding and uh and our handling uh then of those experiences uh why did you uh come up with the name the boogeyman chronicles because you've got a podcast and now a book based off that title
2: Well, um, growing up, my dad called anything scary the boogeyman. So if, you know, we were just sitting there, we heard a noise, he'd be like, oh, no, it's a boogeyman. Or, you know, if he heard a weird story, he'd be like, oh, no, it's a boogeyman. You know, everything that was scary was the boogeyman. It was kind of a catch-all term. And so I called my podcast and my book The Boogeyman Chronicles because it just kind of encapsulates every scary thing, you know, because, I mean, everyone's boogeyman is different. You know, it's different for everybody. You know, their, their boogeyman might be greys that come in and abduct them every few nights or, you know, whatever. And, you know, some people's boogeyman might be a shadow person. Um, you never know. You know what I mean? So with everyone, the boo- the boogeyman is something different to them.
1: Exactly. Everybody's got a, a different definition uh, depending mm-hmm. on what they've experienced. Uh, but but for the most part, uh, we, we can't I, usually identify what it is. It usually go into that uh, unknown category. I appreciate you coming on the program tonight, uh, MG, and telling your story. And um, tell the folks about the book and where they can find your podcast and all that, that uh, sort of stuff.
2: Okay, um, well, the Boogey Chronicles can be found pretty much where you can buy online books anywhere, you know, these days, um, but mostly on Amazon, of course, and, um, the Boogie Chronicles podcast is on mostly YouTube, we are getting, um, a Spotify channel ready, so we're gonna, you know, put on Spotify at some point, um, but, um, but, yeah, it's on YouTube, so definitely check it out. And if you have any stories that you would like to share, even anonymously, um, you can contact me at BoogeymanChronicles at Outlook.com.
1: And just always keep an eye out, keep uh, looking over your shoulder, uh, and because you never know, you may encounter the Boogeyman, right?
2: Exactly. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for coming in with us on Easter Sunday.
2: Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I
1: appreciate it. M.G. Stevens, The Boogeyman Chronicles. I'm Jeremy Scott from the cold, dark depths of a secret dungeon somewhere deep in the remote Pacific Northwest. Good night, everyone.